Christchurch, New Malden. Sunday the 13th of December 2020. Katie Lofman speaking on A Fresh Take on John 1. Last week we got inside the head of one man. Tim helped us imagine what Joseph went through when he found out Mary was pregnant. Well today we're going from the intimate to the unknowable. At the start of his gospel, John takes us back to the beginning of time and tries to describe the indescribable with soaring language and cosmic concepts. Our imagination expands as we try to picture God, the Trinity, existing before the dawn of creation. And of course, we can't truly imagine it. But what we can imagine is a human being, a baby born in a stable, a man living in our neighbourhood. And John says, yes, that's God too. That's how he made himself known to us, by becoming one of us. When I was a teenager, our youth leader had a little toddler and I remember having an interesting conversation with him. I wanted to find out where he thought he'd come from. Now that he's such a big boy, I asked him, what were you before? He replied that he was a baby. I said, what about before that? He said, before that, he was a tiny, tiny baby. What about before that? I asked. I was in mummy's tummy. I said, what about before you were in mummy's tummy? His answer was, God was making me. I said, where were you before that? He said he didn't know. So I said, well, it was only about two years ago, which is not very long ago, really, so maybe he can remember. He thought for a bit and then he said, God was thinking about me. I thought that was a perfectly likely explanation and we both knew it was the end of the conversation and he ran off in his nappy, laughing. That's a bit like the beginning of John's Gospel. We can't remember a life before we were born and we can't imagine what it was like before the world was created. But John has looked to Genesis and done some of that thinking for us. Before we were born, God was thinking about us. And before the world was created, is it possible that God, who is timeless and all-knowing, was thinking about our universe and our world, was perhaps thinking about you and me? Proverbs 8 verse 31 tells us that wisdom was at God's side before the creation of the world, delighting in mankind even before we were created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What about before the beginning? Before the world began, there was God, and with God was the Word. And it was that Word, let there be light, that created the world. The Greek word that John uses for word is logos, which means more than just a word. Logos means wisdom and craftsmanship of the whole truth. We have it in ology, as in sociology or virology, everything there is to know about that subject. So the word is everything there is to know about everything. Complete wisdom, which Proverbs tells us is older than the universe, 
and itself a source of life. And from the fullness of that, the Bible tells us God brought forth the world. The same words the Bible uses for giving birth, as Eve brought forth Cain, or for a tree bringing forth fruit. It comes from him as a natural part of his being. Creation is not just an action. Creation is an outpouring of God's fullness, an expression of God's life and his essence, just by a word. And John tells us that that word, that life, became a baby who grew up to be the man we know as Jesus of Nazareth. All that cosmic power distilled into a human being, a tiny baby. He brought light into the world, just as the word of God brought forth light in the beginning. With this, John is establishing that Jesus really is truly God. Not like a God, not the son of a God like Caesar claimed to be, or even a man of God like a prophet filled with the Holy Spirit, but truly and fully God, the eternal creator of the world. And the miracle is not only that he came to be with us as a human, but that we can know him. There's a story of a farmer planting peanuts in a field. He's got his dog with him, but instead of helping, the dog keeps digging up the peanuts. Every time the man looks behind him, there's the dog digging them up and eating them. The man tells the dog not to. He strokes him and tells him kindly to stop, but it has no effect. So the man tries again. He smacks the dog and shouts at him. But no, as soon as he turns his back, there's the dog again, undoing the farmer's work, digging up the peanuts. He tries everything. He even tries barking. But he just can't make the dog understand. Eventually, the farmer says to himself, If only I could become a dog. Then I could show him what I mean, and he'll know what I want him to do. Then he'd stop digging up the peanuts. And of course, that's exactly what God did. He became one of us one of the creatures in his own creation. Why did he do that? John tells us in verse 18 that Jesus has made God known. He became one of us so that we could know God and understand him. As humans, we may find it a little daunting to think that we could know that eternal and infinite God. How is that even possible? But Jesus sheds light on the grace and the truth of God. And by getting to know Jesus as a person, which we will if we read on in John's Gospel, we get to know God. And getting to know a person is not daunting at all. We do it all the time. Yes, Jesus isn't physically here now. And that's why John wrote his Gospel for us. We still have the immense privilege of getting to know Jesus right now. When we read about him in the Bible, we get to know him. When we talk to him and listen to him in our prayers, we know him better. Talking about him with other Christians tells us more. And the most miraculous thing of all, we experience him in our own lives, guiding us, blessing us and helping us grow. This is the grace and truth of the Incarnation. 
God, by his grace, allows any of us to know God because Jesus has made him known. But why does John link Jesus with creation? It's not only to show that he's God. In verse 9, he moves on to say that the light of God is coming into the world again. Not only did God say, let there be light at the start of Genesis, but God is saying it again now with Jesus. Jesus is beginning a new creation. He'll invite us to be made new, as he did with Nicodemus in the next chapter. But as well as that, he will somehow enable all the mess and shortcomings of the past, its darkness and its chaos, to die away and be flooded with light, as we, and ultimately the whole of creation, are made new. And God will once again look at the world and see that it is good. This has already started. God's kingdom dawned on the world when that new creation began, when Jesus was born. A little ray of perfection coming to a world darkened by thousands of years of rejection and lighting it up. This new creation continues with us as we allow that grace and truth to shine into the dark places of our lives. Verse 9 says the true light gives light to everyone. We needn't hide anything from God. Our darkest deeds, our ugliest thoughts, our painful memories, our regrets and embarrassments. If we talk to God about them, we can let his light transform them and take away their pain. We are made new. We carry that new creation forward as we spread the light of Christ into the dark places of the world. Every time we make someone's situation better, every time we campaign for justice, every time we do one of the 12 carbons for Christmas, when we do those things, we are seeing God making the world new again, his new creation. God began the creation of the world with let there be light. Jesus' birth is the let there be light of God's new creation. And we take part in that when we work with God to spread that light around the world. Jesus is that almighty creating word of God who, in the form of a human being, dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's another thing that's being made new. To the Jews, the only place where God dwelt among his people was in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. He only actually met with his people once a year through the high priest. Everyone else was kept at a distance in a series of courtyards. That's what people in those days meant when they talked about God dwelling among us. So for John to say that God dwelt among us in the human body of Jesus is to say, basically, that God has escaped from the Holy of Holies and is walking around among us. The temple has become redundant. He's living alongside people that shouldn't be allowed anywhere near him because they're not worthy. But what's more, they can become his children. Another new creation, the temple institution with its segregation, its silly rules, its corruption, has been remade recreated in Jesus. 
He is now the true place to meet with God and be made new. That's the light of the incarnation, that God is creating again, making everything new. In the middle of this amazing and mind-blowing discourse on Jesus, John slips in a bit about John the Baptist. He was a man sent by God. His job was to testify to the light brought into the world by Jesus, so that people would believe in Jesus. John the Baptist's testimony was that Jesus is the light of the world, just like the first light brought forth by God's word at creation. God is creating again, and as at the beginning, starting with light. And verse 13 says he's creating children again too, born of himself like Adam and Eve were. Throughout the Old Testament, God's relationship with his people had been getting worse and worse and more and more distant. But now, instead of that, Jesus brings the opportunity of a new relationship, the invitation to walk with God as Adam did in the cool of the day, the chance to go back to the beginning with God and start again. But just like the first creation, John warns us in verse 11 that this one won't have a totally happy ending either. God's people didn't recognise their own God, and many of them would reject him, would turn away from the grace and the truth that he offers, choose to remain in darkness rather than allow themselves to be flooded in his glorious light choose not to accept God as their loving father or to see themselves as his children. That's the tragedy of the incarnation. He came to a world that knew him not. And that's why it's so important that John the Baptist and John himself testify to the glory that's in Jesus. That glory is so easy to miss, being in the body of a man, but it's so important because it's our chance for a new life with God. John the Baptist's mission was to talk about Jesus so that people would believe in him, be lit up by him and become God's children. And John the Gospel writer also makes the same testimony. Near the end of his book in chapter 20 verse 31, John explains why he wrote his Gospel. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Like John the Baptist, John is bearing personal witness to the light of Christ in the world. Just as John the Baptist was sent by God in the first chapter of John's Gospel, so Peter is sent by Jesus in the last chapter of the Gospel. It's after the resurrection. Peter and some other disciples were together and Peter says, I'm going fishing. The others go too, but they fish all night and catch nothing. Are they trying to return to their old life? It's not working. It's dead and empty for them now. Until Jesus comes. He tells them to fish on the other side of the boat and they get a huge catch. Even their fishing trip has been brought to life by Jesus. But now Jesus is calling Peter to a new life, 
Feed my lambs, he says. Look after my sheep. Peter is sent by Jesus to bear witness, to testify to everything he's seen. Do you love me, Peter? Jesus asks. Three times Peter assures him that he does. This is the summing up of John's whole gospel. John was sent to testify so that people would believe and have life. And Peter shows what happens next. He believes and he has life. And Jesus asks him to love him and feed and nurture others. Like John the Baptist and John himself, Peter is being sent to feed Jesus' flock by testifying, bearing witness to what he knows. And that's what God's calling us to as well. We too are being sent by God to talk about what we know so that others will believe and come alive. And that's the eternal blessing of the Incarnation that Jesus is still with us and always with us, still Emmanuel, making us his children and making everything new.